Hey guys, Jason Davis here. Uh, with everything that's going on out there in culture, in the school system, especially the public school system, right? And drag shows and everything in between, our kids are under attack daily. And that's why I wanted to tell you today about the Tuttle Twins books. Tuttle Twins is really, it's the only books uh, that I know of for kids that really help them develop critical thinking skills about real world concepts, economies, finance, government, freedom, liberty, the free market, how to be self-reliant and outside the system. Right now, we just all have to recognize the world's full of companies and people and politicians that want to expose and influence our kids and in ideas that we don't support. And so that includes school teachers, unfortunately. So Tuttle Twins empowers parents. I encourage you to check them out at TuttleTwins.com or if you go to my website at DontTreadOnLiberty.com and go to Freedom Partners under Tuttle Twins, there is a special offer for you. So DontTreadOnLiberty.com under Freedom Partners. Check out the Tuttle Twins and we do have a special offer for you. Well, let's get back to the show. I hope you enjoy this week. God bless. Fighting back against the left's nonstop attacks on liberty, freedom, and America. America. This is Don't Tread on Liberty. Jason Davis is on the air. Hey, welcome back to Don't Tread on Liberty. I'm Jason Davis. We're back with some more information, and um, we're going to do a little bit of something different today. We're going to be talking a lot about Arizona specifically, but... This will apply to most states out there um, because a lot of the same things they're doing in Arizona, they're doing everywhere. So joining me today is uh, a special guest. He's been on before. He's the most censored man in Arizona, as he likes to say, the president of the Patriot Party of Arizona. Steve Daniels is here. Thanks for coming back on. How are you? I'm doing great today, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being had. So the Arizona audit is something that people are still talking about <laughs> almost a, what a year later. Um, and every time I say that nothing's going to happen and uh, Wendy Rogers is not going to decertify 2020, I get absolutely crucified from mass uh, QAnon people online. Can you just kind of walk everybody through exactly what happened with the Arizona audit? Just very high level overview for people that actually believe it. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing, you know, from the very beginning uh, of this audit, we, we saw it for what it was, unfortunately, which was really just a, a psyop, a, a delay and distraction tactic that they, they being the Arizona Senate, along with the GOP was, was pushing to try to avoid, really just to avoid doing any sort of meaningful election integrity reform last year during the 2021 session. So they, all of the legislators used that audit that was being started around that February, March timeframe to avoid doing their jobs, which is to secure our elections in Arizona. That's a part of their duty. So the audit takes place. It was supposed to take just a few weeks. We saw it drag out into, you know, six, eight months, and then there still was no real resolution. It seems that the report that the auditors gave or provided was actually watered down. I was told that certain individuals such as Wendy Rogers and, and Sonny Borelli actually asked for the public report to be watered down because they didn't want too much of the good details to be given to the public. That was supposedly only going to be provided to the AG and the internal sources, you know, the House and the Senate, et cetera. So nothing seems to have ever come of this. And then you had Senate President Karen Fan make that unilateral deal with Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. 
I think that really got a lot of people fired up. You know, we've been telling people for years that Karen Fan is a part of this problem. She's a major establishment operative. She works directly for Ducey and, you know, the, the money that controls Ducey. Because we saw back in 2020, just to reference back, you know, why we say things like this, back in 2020, when the, the shutdown was taking place, I had actually emailed the entire legislature to try to get them to support the continuing res- continuing resolution that at the time House Representative Kelly Townsend had put forward, which would have ended the state of emergency. You know, that whole farce that ran for two years under, under Governor Ducey, uh, we tried to end that in late April. Well, Senator Karen Fan, the president of the Senate at the time, emailed back to everyone on that email chain, replied all. I don't think she realized I was actually on it. So it's a little bit of an oops on her end. But she basically said, hey, guys, before we do anything on this, we need to understand that if we end the state of emergency, we won't be able to participate in the federal FEMA and DEMA funds. So it was all about the money. I mean, we saw from very early on, you know, their their concern wasn't actually doing the right thing. It was about grabbing more of that federal money. So yeah. going back to the audit, going you know fast forward about a year as we head into this audit time frame, we tried to explain to everyone that you know she's she's a part of the problem. She's an establishment operative. She's been down at the Capitol for 20, 25 plus years. You know, she has all of these state contracts that she gets with her construction company uh, that does the, you know, does the guardrails on the highways, and not saying that she didn't, you know, she didn't get those awarded to her. But it's just interesting if somebody who's that powerful down at the Capitol, they just happen to get so many contracts over the years. Um, so regardless, people didn't want to listen. You know, said, oh, no, Karen's a fighter. She's on our side. She's MAGA. And we're like, all right, see how this plays out. You know, and I hate to be the I told you so guy. Uh, it's really not what I'm here to do. I'm here to try to educate and expose the corruption, educate people and expose the corruption. But when they don't believe you, it's very frustrating. And I think that's the biggest thing that frustration that I experience is that people don't want to believe the people they think are on their side actually aren't. You know, I don't I don't believe any of these people are on our side because I don't think that any of them are duly elected at this point. So they're all sitting down there. Well, now now they've adjourned for the session. So now there's a, a new election coming up to replace all of them or reinstall all of them, I should say. Uh, but needless to say, that audit, going back to that, it didn't ever produce anything substantial. I mean, we saw that there was, you know, irregularities, that there was there was ballots created here and there. And we knew there was problems. I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't there wasn't a stolen election because I fully believe there was, which is why we pushed election integrity so hard. Bottom line is audit didn't produce any substantial results. And we went through the entire 2022 session, legislative session, and the legislature didn't do anything of substance to secure our elections. So now here we are two years later, we're going to run an election using the same fraudulent mail-in ballot system, the same fraudulent electronic tabulation machines, and the same fraudulent voter rolls. Nothing has changed. So where does that leave us? Yeah, well, it leaves us with Karen Fan basically blocking the only election integrity bill we had, which is what you're referring to, House Bill 2289. She single-handedly blocked that. And uh, she was really the last line of defense for them to block it because they tried to kill this bill like three different times. Uh, In the House, they tried to kill this bill. Then you were able to get it reintroduced in the Senate. And then you were able to get a legislator to pass it out of Senate committee. 
but Karen Fan wouldn't even bring it to the floor. So she says she didn't have the votes, but I mean, there were what 40 or 50 other bills that she didn't have the votes to pass that she put up for a vote and it did not pass. So, yeah. So why, I mean, you you know, she's basically obstructing and all these other people, you mentioned Wendy Rogers and Sonny Borelli. As far as I know, they did not sign on or co-sponsor that bill 2289, did they? Uh, You know, I have to go back and check. 2289 had minimal sponsors. The original bill that, to your point, got killed by Speaker of the House, Rusty Bowers, when he assigned it to 12 committees. Unprecedented. Never had happened before, to our knowledge. He assigned that bill to that many committees in order to kill it. That was his way of killing the bill. Uh, Rep. Rep. John Fillmore, you know, he's he's been a great bill champion for this. He tried everything he could. You know, it wasn't any fault of his that this didn't move forward. He, he, you know, he really did try his best. There was a few things that we we could have pushed that we wanted him to do uh, that maybe didn't happen as far as, you know, holding the votes on the, you know, not voting to for the budget, uh, not voting to sign die, et cetera, different things like that. We we should have had the the strong Republican caucus, the you know, the hawks, as they call themselves, really take a harder, more public, louder stand that we don't go home until this is fixed. You know, but of course, they didn't, they, you know, that. It's an election year, right? So they're all concerned about getting reelected. It's, it's how feckless these leaders are. They're not leaders. They're, I don't even know what to call them. They're placeholders in my book. You know, they're just placeholders. They're not true legislators. They're not lawmakers in my estimation. None, nothing they've done over the last two years since this stolen election is lawful. I mean, you saw the recent, I don't know if you saw the recent uh, uh, presentation by Jovan Pulitzer, but you know, he showed that there was down ballot fraud. And that's something that we always were very confident took place. We didn't have any actual proof that it took place because they wouldn't give us the data, of course. But we were very confident that they've been rigging down ballot for quite some time. Uh, Not every race, but I do believe that there's very key races as far as like the most under undervoted. I think he said it was the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and the sheriff. That tells you a lot. That tells you how much they value those positions because of the amount control those positions have in our society and in our system. You know, the board of supervisors, they really conduct the elections. And then you've got the sheriff who is the highest law in the land. And if he's looking the other way, nothing's going to get fixed. So we don't, we don't feel like there's any integrity in our elections at this point. And they did nothing to fix them. Sonny Borelli didn't see anything from him. He wants, you know, he wants to say, I use this big fighter. Well, I don't see him doing it. Wendy Rogers, to me, she just goes on this nationwide uh, grift, raising you know two, three million dollars for a seat that pays twenty four thousand dollars a year. That makes no sense to me, other than the fact they propped her up as a scion. You know, she's run five, six different times in the state. Finally, got elected to a position, but she just bounces around the state until she found the places she could get elected. So I think she's you know some sort of deep state military industrial complex operative. You know that's. That's my assumption. That's my estimation, just based on how I've seen her operate. None of these people, no matter what they say, not one of them, did anything in 2021 or 2022 to secure this upcoming election. That's right. Didn't happen. And they have to take the fault as a whole. As a body, they didn't do it. No, they didn't. And it's funny that when you point this out to people, they're ready to just crucify you. Um, if you go against the decertification narrative or against, you know, the Trump is, uh, 
playing, you know, 5D chess or something like that. I think we're on like eight, it's got to be like 8D chess by now. 8D now. Yeah, for sure. So you guys have a pretty good solution because it's pretty clear that our biggest problem in this country is people running for office that are not telling the truth about who they really are. And I think that they're being controlled by one side of the aisle, even though they're supposed to be two sides of the aisle. So recently here, you've started to publicly vet candidates and show where their financing is coming from. And this is absolutely fantastic. And this is where I think every state can benefit by doing this. Um, It's a great service. So you have what's now called the Rhino List, where you're pointing out what people have done compared to what they actually say and who's backing them financially campaign-wise uh, pretty, pretty, uh, interesting on some of these candidates that people would consider MAGA. Um, so you would agree, right. That every state should replicate doing this and making it all public, right? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you know, you know, the, the old adage, follow the money. I think it's, a, it's really that simple for the most part. And you look at people's connections and then you look, you know, a simple Google search or, or DuckDuckGo or whichever one you use these days. I think they're all the same, unfortunately, but uh, you just search their connections. Their, who who are they affiliated with? Who did they work for? Uh, who did they campaign for? Uh, who, you know, look at their things they might've published, articles they may have published in the past, maybe school papers, different things like that. It's very interesting what you'll find out there on these people, uh, yeah. especially the candidates that seem to pop up out of nowhere. You can find some interesting things they've written. Yeah. And so what you're doing is you've got some political signs that say like rhino and we'll put it up on the screen, but it has a, an arrow and it says rhino. And you basically are sticking these signs next to these campaign signs for these people. Yeah. Just, and, and that's a great idea because, you know, that's something that you have the right to put up and they can't mess with your sign. Just like you, no one can mess with their sign and uh, you have every right to yeah, put it's that actually, out there. It's a- misdemeanor if, if you've tamper with them unfortunately well here's the interesting thing we've had <laughs> you see all the campaign signs that get put out there and some get defaced and torn apart and some cases taken down we have a lot of signs missing <laughs> they don't like them clearly they don't you know these guys they're, they're, these guys and gals that try to pretend like they're maga they don't want to be known as a rhino it's a it's a nice little you know nine by 24 Red sign with big white rhino letters and a big arrow pointing up at their at their sign. We it's gotten to the point, and this you know this is it's it's amusing where you'll drive by where you've put out some rhino signs and that big you know four by four campaign signs no longer there. So they've actually taken their signs down to avoid having our rhino sign pointing at them. So I, I feel like that's a win, right? I mean, clearly they're triggered by this. Um, we have a, it's. it's called rhino tags, you know, a little play on words, you know, when you have an animal tag or you have a tag for an animal. So we kind of, kind of play on words a little bit, but we have these rhino tags and we've got a list that we've uh, formally developed of who we, in our estimation, whether through experience or actual hard documentation, some of this comes from experience. You know, we've, we've had personal interactions and dealings with these people and we know that their words don't match up with their actions. So they'll get on that list, but most of it are most of the names on that list are there's heavy documentation as far as their bad dealings, whether it's financial, whether it's their connections or bad votes or policy positions they've taken. Yeah. And let's just take a few 
uh, on the statewide races, just so people kind of know what we're talking about. So for governor, you have Karen Taylor Robeson on the official Rhino list. Uh, yes. You've got Tom Horn, who's running for superintendent of public instruction. You've also got Shauna Bullock, who's running for secretary of state. So Shauna Bullock runs around, you know, promoting big 2A promoter, uh, yep. big election integrity promoter, big border security person. How does she get on the mm-hmm. rhino list? It's a great question. You know, this is the most interesting things that we hear is like, oh, they're MAGA. They're, they're super conservative. I love them. It's like, that's great. You know what? I can I can walk around. I can go around to, a, you know, if I was running for office, I could go to all these campaign events and I would have my my talking points down and I would sound like the most conservative candidate. But then I could turn around and do the opposite. It's all words until it's action. And the actions that we've seen out of somebody like Ashana Bullock, for example, where, you know, she's supposedly a huge ESA for all, which is the empowerment scholarship accounts uh, to where the money follows the child, which luckily here in Arizona, we did just pass a version of ESA for all, not quite as strong in the language as I'd like. In fact, it's strong language. However, they inserted a section which gives the ability for potential future testing a testing requirement for private schools, which I'm not in favor of. And I think most conservatives would not be either because now you're just introducing the same types of policies and requirements in public education, government education, now into private education. And I don't like that. There should be no ties to the money. It's up to the parents. Well, the bill that they, that they being the legislature was pushing had a testing section and requirement. Luckily, we called that out quickly enough. You know, Michelle Dillard, the president of Purple for Parents, uh, she called that out very quickly, and luckily we got that removed through a floor amendment by Jay Kaufman. Shauna Bullock, however, on the ESA topic, she hijacked a clean ESA for all bill this this session to use for her own purposes to run a more restricted ESA expansion bill. So it only expanded it. I think the estimation was maybe somewhere around by sixty students. Now we're talking over a million million students in Arizona. And instead of it being an ESA for all, which it would have literally included any student in Arizona that's qualified to go to to school, she took it for her own selfish purposes to expand it to roughly 60 more students. So you ask yourself why? Well, clearly she didn't do it for the good of all. She did it because she had a personal, personal issue that was important to her. Well, that's all well and good, but don't hijack something else that's good and turn it into that. Second issue, and really the more glaring issue to me, is when True the Vote was here, when Greg and Catherine were here to do their presentation a few weeks back down at the Senate, Shauna Bullock was running that that hearing, that presentation. She had the permission of Karen Fan to do so. Well, instead of the whole point of that that presentation was so that she could push 2238, which was Jake Hoffman's ballot drop box ban bill. Now, it doesn't really ban drop boxes. It just put some some minor restrictions on it, but it really wouldn't do anything. It's really not going to secure our election, you know, because what's a drop box? Any mailbox. Any mailbox. Any mailbox, exactly. So, you know, you, you get rid of those special drop boxes. People can still go shove it in the mail, go find one of the nice big blue bins and shove it in there. So what it felt like, and now mind you, what, what position is Shauna Bullock running for? Secretary of State. She run the election. Secretary of State oversees the elections, right? So she's a House representative and has been for a number of years. She has been for the last two years specifically. 
Shauna, if she really wanted to secure our elections, could have helped us push HB 2289, the one day, one vote, Mm -hmm. no mail-in ballots, no machine tabulation, hand counts, precinct polling. So why didn't she? Why didn't she really jump on board and push that? Well, instead, she wanted to go down there and push 2238 during that hearing. Rep. Walt Blackman, we had spoken to him outside the hearing, and he accidentally hijacked it from them. Not knowing that she was going to push that bill, he went in there and said, hey, would 2289 be the solution? To which, true the vote, Catherine said, yeah, that's a well-written piece of legislation, and that would secure our election. That would effectively secure the elections. You saw the response that day. I mean, there was a massive, like everyone just clapping and cheering, which you don't see in a committee hearing because it's, it's supposed to have a certain level of decorum. They want it silent. Uh, however, the people, you know, you couldn't contain the excitement because they knew how important that piece of legislation is. Well, unfortunately, nothing transpired from that. As you said, K- President Karen Fan unilaterally decided to kill that bill. So Shauna Bullock, actions speak louder than words. She's, in my estimation now, just gaslighting everybody saying, you know, when she's secretary of state, she's going to work with the legislature to secure our elections. I'm like, you're in the legislature, Shauna. You do it now. Why, why do you have to get another position to do the job you could do now? Mm-hmm. So that's where the words, the words don't match the actions. And that to me is screams rhino. Yeah, it does. Now it's interesting because I guess you could say her opponent in the same race for the same position was a big advocate for election integrity, but he's kind of in the same boat. I would say uh, I'm talking about Mark yeah. Fincham, but he's not on the rhino list. So why is that? Yeah. It's a good question. So, so Mark, you know, he's specific. Look, they're all guilty. Every last one of them had the opportunity to do the job. They didn't do it. Uh, You know, like I said, we had a couple. We had Rep. Fillmore. He was the bill champion. Senator Kelly Townsend put it through her committee. Right. Uh, She didn't even think it would get through. So maybe it was an oopsie on her part. I don't know. I'll I'll assume she had good intent. Uh, She didn't expect it to pass, however. But outside of Rep. Fillmore, who championed the bill, I really can't give any of them any latitude. You know, they, they all failed to do their job. Had they all done what John did, Rep. Fillmore, and said, hey, let's push this. Everyone pushes the same direction. You know, if, if you have a big ship and you're all rowing, but you're all rowing at different times, your ship goes nowhere. Right. If you're all rowing in, in tandem, in sync, the ship moves. Well, they didn't row in sync. So I, I don't give any of them any sort of political cover. They're all guilty. But in Mark's case, he did sign on to the early bill. He did publicly state that he does support that bill. He wanted it to move forward and pass. He just never took the ball and ran with it. So can I put him in the rhino class at this point? Um, I put him in the illegitimately elected class at this point, as they all are. But I didn't I didn't we didn't feel the need to specifically label him a rhino at this point because there wasn't any specific actions that he did to be detrimental to the bill versus he just didn't do his job to push the bill. Okay. Gotcha. Now the solutions that you have um, for things that people can actually do right now, I find pretty interesting and you've got several of them Uh, obviously rhino tag, or if you don't have rhino tags in your state, go get some. Um, You're also talking about write in candidates on ballots and get off the permanent early voting list. Tell us about those items there. Get off the early voting list and write in candidates on the ballot. 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. So what, what, what's been historically known as PEVL, P-E-V-L, Permanent Early Voter List in Arizona, I think it's now called Automatic Early Voter List. Uh, bottom line, that needs to go away. That's the whole mail-in ballots uh, you know, scheme and fraud that they run. So the more people that remove themselves from that system, the harder it is for them to cover the fraud. If we could get all of the conservatives in Arizona to get off of the list, and go vote in person on election day, it would make it that much harder for them to commit the fraud at the level they're able to do it now. But unfortunately, you've got all these different Republican groups literally telling people, hey, go get on the list, vote early, vote early. It's like, guys, you're feeding into the problem. And these are some of the grassroots, quote unquote, grassroots conservative groups that operate in Arizona. Cap, you have, um, trying to think who else, seen a few recently that have sent out correspondence about make sure you get your mail-in ballot in early and it's like come on get it so if they let me ask a question about that so whether you vote whether you drop that ballot in person into the box or you send it in same process it's it's going through the machine both ways right okay yeah so so i guess i'm i guess i'm just kind of confused so if the machine is pulling a fraction magic deal, you know, or doing some kind of proportional voting tabulation or something like that. Why would it matter whether you mailed in or you dropped it in? It's a good question. So you don't even want to be on the list. You don't want to have them to have the ability to even print your ballot or because by them having those, those extreme numbers to pull from, because they, they, you know, they print 2 million in Maricopa County, 2 million plus ballots. Well, if you could if you could compress that number down by six, seven, eight hundred thousand, theoretically, that gives them less leeway for fraud, right? Because now they don't have as many other ballots to to manufacture or pull from if they need those. Uh, there's it's a very intricate system they've developed. It's fairly easy to de- it's now been fairly easy to detect how they do it, but it all plays in tandem. The plot all works together. So you've got the the early voting list. You've got the voter rolls, which are hugely, hugely uh, fraudulent at this point. I mean, they said the voter, there's just, they don't even, there's fake voters literally on our voter rolls. There's a lot of time. So time is one of the big things. They have to have enough time to commit this. So that's why early voting and getting the ballots in early so that they can start to tabulate what the results are, the quicker they can do that, the more opportunity they have to commit the fraud on the back end. It's really funny. machines. It's really funny because they used to tell us that you're, if you mailed in your ballot early, that it didn't even get counted unless it was too close to call. Well, so the drop, from what I understand, and someone can, you know, that's smarter than me can correct us if I'm wrong, is that the, when you drop, so if you get an early ballot in the mail and you do not mail it in in time, because there's a certain cutoff date you have to return it by or drop it in a, a drop box, a mailbox, whatever it is. If you bring it to your polling station on election day and you turn it in there, it, it, from my understanding, it does become a provisional ballot and is only counted if it is too close, if it was not returned in the time frame that they've, they've deemed uh, allocated. So that's where you run into issues. So a lot of people, so I used to do that. I was like, I want to make sure it gets there. Well, the second I turned it in, it may not even be getting counted. So that's where you have to actually get off of that list. You have to show up to your polling center, which unfortunately now they're creating voting centers yeah. instead of precinct voting polling locations. You know, back in the day, if you're, you know, I'm 43, but, you know, I used to go with my parents when I was a kid and we'd go down to the local church, school, whatever it was. And you would actually vote in your precinct where you live and where you're registered to vote. 
Right. Well, now if I live out in East Mesa, I can go vote in, in West Phoenix. You know, there's it doesn't matter. You just show up and vote wherever. And that that creates more opportunity for fraud, for, you know, shady business, because you can you can't hone in on a pre- if there's fraud in a precinct and there's only 2000 votes cast. It's a lot easier to detect to detect that fraud versus ballots here, ballots there, ballots everywhere because everybody votes wherever they want. So the voting centers are a problem, but regardless, get off the early voting list, show up to your voting center on election day, make them print your ballot, show your ID, make them print your ballot and vote it. And then you run it through the, the tabulator right there. It goes right into the tabulator. Do not use a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah. Another thing. Yeah. The Sharpies, Don't use a Sharpie. It'll bleed through. Well, it's the bleed through, but not even always bleed through. It's what happens is from our understanding and from the experts that have testified on this. And and we actually have documented evidence of internal communication with the recorder's office that said, save the Sharpies for election day. So you have to ask yourself, well, why do they need to save them for election day? Well, from our understanding is, is those Sharpies were, were causing many of the ballots that were run through the, the electronic machine to not be scannable therefore have to be what's called adjudicated. That goes into a separate room at, at the MECTEC, the recorder's office, where they tabulate everything. They put them into another room where a human being actually takes that ballot, that ballot image, and they create another ballot based on what they deem that vote was intended to be. So when you vote, you put your ballot in there, and if it can't be read, it goes to this person, whoever this poll worker is, this election worker, and they actually recreate your ballot either on the machine. I believe it's on the machine and it actually prints out a ballot now based on what they think your intended vote was. So yeah. that's a whole process that's insane to begin with. Yeah, it is. For that's sure. the Sharpie. That's because of the Sharpie. So don't use a Sharpie. <laughs> don't use the Sharpie. And then the other don't one, use you, the, the other one you had was no, uh, go ahead and write in candidates, write in candidates. So write in. Yeah, we, we were, contemplating, you know, we were looking at all options, right? You know, we've, we, everything we do, there's a lot of thought put into it. Uh, while sometimes what we do might seem a little haphazard and, and reactive, it is very well thought out. One way to trigger, to trigger a hand count would be potentially to actually write in some candidates. Uh, you have to have an actual true writing candidate. So that at this point, that ship's probably sailed a little bit. We didn't see that as being maybe the most, uh, most effective way to to handle this. So we kind of skipped that. However, there are some legit write-in candidates who are going to be on the ballot uh, or be ballot eligible as a write-in candidate. And that could be a potential for for some hand count audits potentially in their area. Got you. Okay. So possible trigger a hand count, avoid the machines. Good. Okay. Potentially. So you guys on the ground there at stoptherhinos.com, What's the main thing you need help with right now going into these elections coming up? Uh, you know, this is where we've probably uh, admittedly struggled the most because we don't like to ask for money. Um, I think that's because what that's all you get is, I mean, how many emails have you gotten today or text messages have you gotten today asking for money from these candidates or these these organizations? Probably 10. It's constant, right? Yeah, I hate, constant. And I hate constant because you know, we're very judicious with our resources. We've, we've got one main uh, benefactor, obviously, that f- helps fund what we do because we are 
the grassroots of the grassroots, you know, the, the establishment, the GOP, the organizations, you know, they, nobody wants to provide us help because we're, we're tampering with their power structure. Right. So if the true grassroots, the people that are giving Wendy Rogers, $3 million, they would, if they would give the Patriot party of Arizona, $3 million, we'd have this state fixed. We would have now enough resources to go out there and really make a change in Arizona. So I would say donations would be the number one thing that we could use right now, in addition to volunteers as we move into this selection. I don't mean it's not even an election, but we know it's we know it's all fraudulent. We need we're gonna need people for some different different strategies and initiatives that we're gonna employ to actually come on board and help us. We may need actual people to sit down and uh, potentially review looking at ballots or reviewing data or you know, making calls or knocking doors, canvassing some different things. So I would say, number one, uh, just go to our website, stoptherhinos.com and actually sign up for the updates. Get on our email and get your phone number in there so you can get our text updates. Uh, we don't send out much. You can probably attest to it. We, we try not to bombard people. Probably should do more, actually. But we really tried to be the opposite. We really don't want to do what the, the traditional groups and candidates do, which is just bombard for money constantly. Uh, so get on our list and then please donate. If you can, any resources that you can allocate our way will be used like the rhino signs. I mean, those, those aren't free. I think those are one of the most cost-effective things that we've come up with to really identify out on the streets. Who's who, uh, we get a lot of good response. In fact, you know, one of the funny things, like I said, is we'll actually put a sign out. I have signs that I've personally placed out there next to a, a rhino, Tom Horn, for example, they get to the point where because tampering is illegal, they can't touch our signs. They'll actually remove their sign. <laughs> so their sign will actually be missing. There'll be a big space there with our rhino sign pointing up to space. I'm like, great. I'm leaving that there because that means that rhino can't come back and put a sign now. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So stoptherhinos.com. Go ahead and help them out. Get some more rhino signs. And then you can take a lot of these strategies to your state, wherever that is, because they're very effective. Steve Daniels yeah, should be employed everywhere. Everywhere. Nobody got, who got rid? Which state got rid of the machines? Everybody was so upset about the machines after 2020. So which state stood up and did it? Yeah, I think Missouri just did know. it, but that was it, right? Did Missouri actually get rid of the machines? I, I think it was, I think was that it? I think that came out yesterday. They got rid of it. If they did, kudos to them. I mean, awesome job, Missouri. If you did, that's awesome. But in Arizona, we got to get rid of the mail-in ballots. We got to get rid of the machines and we got to get rid of voting season. This whole voting season is ridiculous. One day, one vote. That's it. Legal, legal citizens. I know. What do they got voting going on for like six weeks or something? It's crazy. Well, it's, a four, it's like a four week, a three, three and a half week run up to the election. And then it takes what, two weeks to tabulate the votes. Yeah. See, that's, that's where the fraud comes in on the back end. They have to true up the electronic result with the actual ballots. That's why the back end takes so long. I don't know how much of that they do in the primary, but I know in the general, they, they definitely have to chew everything up. Isn't it funny that they were able to get the uh, number on the president race uh, right away, you know, the next day, but all the down ballot stuff, it took them like two weeks. Well, <laughs> the, the, when did they actually announce in Arizona? When did they actually announce the fight? Because I felt like it was like over a week. Until it was, they announced a, it was, Trump I think it was two or I think it was two or three days. It felt like longer. I don't know. I pretty much was living down there at that point at MechTech. So, it, you know, it felt like a long time. Yeah. Well, it was a while, but the down ballot races took a lot longer. 
I just think it's funny, you know, if you're counting the ballot, why, and if you're running it through a machine, doesn't it count all the race? I don't know. It's just, it makes well, no sense that's, to me. That's kind of the point. Everything seems to slow down the further you get past the election. That's like election night. Oh, we have a hundred thousand ballots to count. And it goes to, you know, oh, we have 70,000 to count. Then it goes to like 60, 50. I mean, it just seems to slow down because they need to true everything up. From what we understand, they're just doing the true up on the back end and they have to get real granular the closer they get to zero. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Steve Daniels, the president of the Patriot Party, StopTheRhinos.com. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Jason, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Don't Tread on Liberty with Jason Davis. Subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, or your favorite platform. For more Liberty news, check out www.donttreadonliberty.com and subscribe to the blog or join the conversation. 